Hey guys, welcome to The Real Guy Podcast. On today's episode, Jeff and I recap our trip down to North Bay Village for the march to protest the massive fish kills and algae blooms that have taken place in the north end of Biscayne Bay. We'd like to thank Dr. Rachel Silverstein and the Miami Waterkeepers for putting on an event for support of such a great cause. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and run that dog. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Captain Jeff. Welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. I got Stephen Busaka in the Lunker Dog studio today. Stephen, welcome. Thanks for having me, man. So what'd you think about the big protest that we went to? Um, well, the protest, I thought like I thought the, I thought it was great. You know, the Miami Water Keepers, I think, did a great job. Um, I don't know if I want to use the word impressed, um, but I was definitely astonished by 79th Street, which is where we had to go down to get to the protest. So, What do you mean astonished by 79th Street? Very, very colorful. Very, and I've been hearing about 79th Street, you know, for the past three or four years from you guys always talking about 79th Street boat ramp down there. But hearing about 79th Street and then actually seeing it are two very different things. <laughs> Can we talk about 79th Street first a little bit? Were you uncomfortable down there at 79th Street? So let's put it this way. If, if it had been after like 9 o'clock at night and I was by myself down there, I would have been very uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. Um, I think that, although maybe if I had you with me, I feel like my odds would, the odds would be a little bit more in my favor. But even then. <laughs> well, dude, it is straight ghetto down there. Is ghetto even the right word to describe it, dude? Like, I mean, like, so let's talk a little bit about, like, the infrastructure or the lack of that was down there. I dude, mean, that's a, they built all that stuff in, like, 1913 or something. And it shows, like, the And, the and it's, still, it's still the same stuff. They haven't even wrecked that yet. No. I don't even think that has running water down there. I think there's a lot of places down there that probably don't have running water. But 79th Street is straight up ghetto. I mean, you got the, all the elements down there. You got the hookers. You got the pimps. You got the drug dealers. You got the used car lots. You got, I mean, you got it all. And it's right there. And to think that it's just a mile or so away from North Biscayne Bay where it looks absolutely gorgeous. And then and 79th Street, as you go more east... They change the name. It becomes Pelican Isle. Right. They don't even call it 79th Street anymore. Yeah, maybe they're trying to separate themselves from the 79th Street aura. I was going to say the stereotype of 79th Street. <laughs> now, you grew up on 70th Street. Well, not grew up, but I mean, you spent a lot, a lot of time going down to 79th Street. I mean, was it different back then? Well, 79, they got a lot of history with 79th Street. Let's talk about that. Well, first of all, when I was a kid, and I'm talking about in the 80s, you could take our skiff from our house here in Fort Lauderdale to 79th Street. And just south of 79th Street, you could actually catch bonefish on those flats over there. Right off the highway? Or I should say right off the street right there? Just, yeah, right off 79th Street, just on the south side of these big old flats. Yeah. Used to be covered with seagrass. And you could actually bonefish right there. So we would take the skip down, and that's where we'd go and start bonefish, and then go from there south. Also, 79th Street was a rigging destination when I was in high school. What I mean by that is there were some things that you could get down there, especially like electronics. That was like a big deal. So I went down there one time at the age of 16 and got these 1,200 turntables, which were like the cats asked for turntables for DJs back in the day. And they didn't have them here in Fort Lauderdale. We had to go down to this one thing called 
I think it was called, it was like a, some similar to Radio Shack. It was like Electrical House or something like that. Big, you know, sign out in front and you went in there and it had all the different friggin' um, electronics and stuff. So also you get colored Converse on 79th Street. Converse was a big thing back then. Well, here in here in here in, in Broward, you could get color Converse, but you couldn't get all the colors. What was your favorite color? My favorite color, I think, was just regular black Converses, the Chuck Taylors. Okay. But as a kid, you had to get colors that would match your outfit. So if you were wearing all black, you know, you could either go black Converse. Or you could go like red. You know what I mean? Okay. But you didn't really want to wear your purple converse with all black. You wanted like a red or an orange. Because it would stick out a little bit more. Well, it, was just, it just went with the black. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like if you had... I remember getting a pair of green converses and a pair of orange converses and then mixing the colors. So it would be like Kane's uniform. But with your converses... <laughs> you, dude. Right. So anyway, down on 79th Street, you could get all these different color converses. So it was, it was a destination. It was a place where, as a 16, 17-year-old, you wanted to get to. Yeah, I've never worn converse. You never wore chucks before? I've never worn that before. Well, dude, how old are you? 28. They kind of went out of style about 28 years ago. No, dude, when I was in high school, there was all of a sudden like a resurgence. There was a small resurgence. Yeah. Because some of the kids get them now, and you can still get them in the stores now. But there was a time when chucks was like the shoe. Like, if you played basketball? I was just about to say, I heard that. That was a basketball shoe. Yeah. Right. And then later on, they became more fashionable. But at one point, I mean, that was the go-to shoe if there, you were an athlete. And there was a small resurgence when I was in high school, and then people started wearing Sperry's became the thing. Oh, Jesus. I never I never, I never, never wore Sperry's. Um, I was more into Olakai. See, we had um, pro kids. And then there was these Converse that were kind of like a, a takeoff of Pro-Keds, but they were, they were called Converse deck shoes, and they were all white, so we called them whites, and we wore the piss out of those things. And then when your whites got dirty, you take white shoe polish and just go right over the top of the canvas with the white shoe polish. And if that wasn't good enough because the shoe polish would, would crack, so then you take the shoe polish that was still wet and put baby powder in it. So when the when the shoe polish cracked, the powder would hide the cracks. Are you serious? Dude, you had to have your shoes white if you were wearing <laughs> pristine. If you were wearing whites. Yeah, you couldn't have like dirty whites. You didn't just take like a cloth with water and soap or something to just try to clean it off? No, you did the shoe polish like I told you, and then you did the powder. <laughs> but you made sure your shit was like white. So anyway, they had all the shoes down there on 79th Street. They also had a uh a flea market down there. And it was always cultural. You know what I mean? Now today, 79th Street, and I could see a soft-ass millennial like you getting a little bit friggin', you know, <laughs> intimidated down there. I mean, it's not like you're used to hanging out with a bunch of hookers and pimps and stuff like that. Well, it was just, it was, I think it was also the fact that, like, dude, there was a community that had a barbed wire fence around it. Right. You don't see that. They got the barbed wire fence around the neighborhood. Around the neighborhood. And then over the windows, they got cast iron. Like a jail cell. Right, like jail cell friggin' 
things to put over your windows yes. so people can't get in or out. Yes. So you weren't you weren't expecting all that. I was not because I know you told me it was colorful down there, but I didn't think it was straight ghetto. <sighs> yeah, I was trying to think of another word, but I can't even think of another. I, I still was so taken aback by it. Dude, it was straight ghetto. I mean, I don't care which which way you put it, but you know, we were down there at eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning. If you're gonna yeah. go to Seventy Nine Street, you're good between call it eight thirty in the morning to like. 4.30 in the afternoon when people start getting off work and the sun starts to get low and then they start drinking down there and the crack addicts come out looking for their fix and everything, that's when you probably want to Yeah, you probably don't want to hang on 79th Street in a late day early evening I couldn't imagine going bone fishing down there now there's no bone fish well, down I was going to say now. there's probably no bone fish <laughs> but, it, but I could see it being a good spot though because they had the flats right there huge flats, all on both sides of, of 79th Street. And I was pretty impressed with the um, with the protest because of all the cooperation they got from the city. Yeah, it was a good turnout amount of people that showed up too. Well, when we, when we pulled up and I saw those orange cones going for like a mile, and I saw probably for every two protesters there was a cop. There's a lot of cops down there. And I kind of knew that the government was in on this. And it was totally, like, coordinated with the government down there. Because the protests we did here, we didn't have one orange cone. No. Or one cop. I was going to say we never had one cops. nothing. It was like, it was like. We yeah. were on our own. Yeah, we were definitely on our own. Down there, it was like, what was the girl's name? Rachel from Rachel. Miami Waterkeepers. It yeah. was her event. Yeah. But you could definitely tell it was put on by the different the cities around which kind of bugged me a little bit, and I tell you why, is because I'm not into those mayors and politicians and stuff. There was like three mayors there. Right, there was like three mayors, and then you had Rachel, which was the woman that we went down there that we were fans of, the Waterkeepers. Yes. I'd much rather have just been Rachel. Yeah, I feel like it would have held more. Do I want to say credibility? I don't know if it's say credibility, but I think I think more truth. I mean, those mayors and stuff and those politicians and stuff have been politicians for a long time. Yeah. That young guy that was mayor of Pelican Isle or wherever the hell that place was down there, North Bay. North Bay. That kid, there's no, he was young, so there's no way he could have been a mayor for that long. But all the other ones we've known for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And for a long time, Biscayne Bay has been under assault. and We've been having sewers, friggin' leaks down there and friggin' algae problems down there and the seagrass has been... Trash, you know, all that kind of stuff that the local municipalities could actually do something about. None of those guys ever did anything. Yeah. But they're going to show up to the Miami Waterkeepers event with a whole bunch of people that are concerned about the bay. And then now, after the fish kill, they're all about saving the bay. That's my problem with the politicians. I'm glad they were there. I'm glad they said what they said. Yeah. I think the... I think the everything's better having them on board. But it's not exactly what I would call a warm and fuzzy feeling, at least for me personally. Yeah. I was watching your reaction the whole time. Like, I believe, really? I got to listen to this old lady mayor talk to me about water quality? That's the last person I want to hear from. <laughs> and Rachel spoke last. And she only spoke for like 
Not even five minutes. Rachel should have been the keynote. She should have been the head of the thing, talking the majority of the time. If the politicians wanted to say something, okay, that's fine. You could say your little thing, but it should have been her. I thought so. I thought so. I don't know. Well, here, here. So here's my other issue with it. I was very. Now I was happy with the. So there was over 200 people there. Definitely. Which I was happy about too. You and I were even talked about that. It was good to see so many people concerned about the bay. But if you noticed, as soon as we got to the park, and all of a sudden politicians came on stage. How many people, Jeff, left? Just straight exited. I mean, like, we're talking about almost 90% of the people left when the politicians got up on stage. Right. right. What does that tell you? Like I said, I really think that it should have been Rachel's thing. And I think those mayors, what their intentions were or not, is irrelevant. I think they used that protest they use that for some beneficial sound bites maybe the yeah, picture platform right picture being up there dude the one bear brought his little baby that drove and he had him up there having him go and save the bay because everybody loves a cute little kid i did not like that he did that dude that makes that gives you that political scammy type feeling that's what i that and that's why i didn't like it because i felt like that was kind of a sellout move when he did that and he didn't do that for the audience. He did that for Hence. the cameras. Yes. He just wanted the shot. Yeah. And they were right there to get it, too. Absolutely. And they got it. Dude, they wouldn't have put it on. Those politicians wouldn't have cooperated with that event without their PR. Exactly. It was about their PR. And I don't know if Rachel knew about that ahead of time and was totally fine with it or if they totally hijacked. That's a good point. Because the mayor here in Fort Lauderdale and the candidate, Ken Cooper, here in Fort Lauderdale, Ken asked me if he could use some material of me in his campaign. Mm -hmm. And I told him he could. Dean straight up used my picture with him on my boat to, to be on the big mailer that he did. Yeah, that I makes, saw that too. That makes me look like I'm endorsing him. But didn't ask. Yeah. And... Not that I'm mad about it, you know. I spent the time with Dean. It was yeah. his picture that he took. But they did it for a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Typical politicians. You know what I mean? And the, um, those, those people down there at Biscayne Bay, you know, no different. But on the other hand, the march from point A to point B, the yeah. actual protest itself. Yeah. The march for the bay. Yes. was a good march. I got a good video too, right? I got right at the front. You could see all the people with their signs, which do we should have done that. We should have brought our signs. Remember the "We Float, We Vote" signs? Oh, yeah, we, I wish because let me tell you, some people got real creative with their signs. They did, which I, I thought was great. I did like the age of the crowd that was there. You know what I mean? It, it was kind of like, like my generation, right? It seemed like between twenty-five and say forty was the majority yeah. of people. Yeah. You know, there were some older people, some parents, and, you know, like, uh, what was the guy from The Real Guy? Charles. Now? Charles. Foschini. Foschini. Yeah. Italian. Nice uh, goomba. Yeah. <laughs> like, he came down. He had, his, he had his girls with him. He was, like, my age. Yeah. But there wasn't that many guys my age. It was way more. Like, it was more like my generation. Right. Which was good, though, because my generation are the ones that are going to have to deal with this years from now. So it was good to see them get involved and wanting to get involved. 
It was good. It was good. And it was a breath of fresh air that they were doing a cleanup afterwards. Yeah. You know, they were going to yeah. go and they're going to pick up the plastic around the, you know, boat ramp in the park they have down there. And it's a pretty nice gesture to go and pick up the trash. But I got I got to tell you, I'm not really into that those waterway cleanups. I know you're not. And I you, know you're not. You know, like, I think they're a good thing. Don't get me wrong. And I think philosophically that's the way people should be thinking. Yeah. Like they should care about their environment and they should go be be willing to do something to clean it up. But if anybody thinks that 20 people that go down to Fort Lauderdale Beach for a waterway cleanup today, we pick up friggin' 10 garbage cans full of plastic that's actually going to make a dent on anything, it's just a gesture. My main thing, because I told you when I used to fish the beach, I always would try to pick up stuff. The main thing to me is I would get very nervous when I used to see um, the nets sitting on the beach or I'd see the plastic balloons or um, what are those plastic rings that the, the, the Coke cans would come in? You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I get very nervous whenever I would see those because that's stuff that could get wrapped around a sea turtle's neck or a dolphin or something like that. So that stuff, I was very big. Like if you see that sitting there, try to dispose of that. We'll try to dispose of it all. But if anybody thinks that they're going to do a waterway cleanup and it's going to make a dent in the pollution issues that we have down here along our coastal communities, is you are sadly mistaken. We could take 100,000 people, 200,000 people, we could take a million people, and we could line them up on all the coastlines, and we could clean up everything today and tomorrow, the tide and the drain runoffs would bring the pollution back within days. So that the, the manpower that goes behind these cleanups, I really think people should harness that manpower and do more things like protests like adding political pressure adding political pressure or if you are going to pick up all that trash put it in bags and drop it in front of your city hall yeah that's actually a good one yeah and i'm talking about be a little bit more dramatic and be a little bit less um the friendly samaritan like this friendly samaritan approach is going to get us nowhere i agree i, I think that we should harness that type of energy and that type of power to be more direct more influential more fucking potent as opposed to being good samaritans and going to try to clean up a bunch of plastic off the beach you know if it makes people feel good when but, they do it and again the, the, the philosophy behind it is good but i do agree with what you're saying because again if you and i went down there with a bunch of people we cleaned it up today if it rained tomorrow Shit, it ends up right back in the creek. I don't think it even have to rain. <laughs> One tide goes by and it is, there it is filled again. with trash again. And until we have concrete ways to prevent the trash from getting in the water in the first place, picking dude, it up is freaking irrelevant. Dude, I saw something the other day that pissed me off so bad. I was going down to see Alejandro to get my hair cut down to Hialeah. Imagine that, you Imagine going down that. to get your grill straightened out. <laughs> I had to go see Homeboy. It's been a while. Um, and I was driving down there and I was on 95 going south and the, the car in front of me and I literally I, my jaw dropped I see the window go down and the hand go out and throw this piece of trash right out the window so what you didn't think that was a problem you didn't think people still throw like trash right out the friggin window you know I knew that it still happened but I haven't seen it in a while 
and the way that and, and the way and it was it was a girl it was a young girl too and just the way how again the window it was so you knew this wasn't an accident window went right down the hand just went right out the window and let it go so because it was a chick and because it was younger did that like offend you a little bit more well i was kind of shocked because my generation typically seems to really care a lot about that that i've noticed that my generation is getting more into that like don't pollute and stuff like that and okay this was also a very nice car too it was like a bmw is it bad if that kind of pissed me off a little bit more too is it bad you know what i'm trying to say right it's yeah it is kind of bad it's natural though that's a good way to say it. it's a natural reaction that it was kind of like who do you think you are? Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it's a little bit easier to take if somebody in like a VW bug or something, <laughs> or like somebody in like a beat up freaking truck that looks like it's about to like axle about to break. It, it's not as surprising either, but I mean, it, it it made me really just want to freaking. Plus, in this day and age, in this day and age, especially from people like you, the millennials. Rich people seem to bother them. It wasn't the fact that she was rich. It, I think it was the... True or false? Do rich people bother millennials? A lot of millennials do. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I don't have an issue with the rich, though. That's the thing. But it... That's I, a sickness. I felt like there was like an entitlement thing there. No, that's a sickness. <laughs> and like 30% of you millennials have it. And it's 30? Called, I think it's more than that. Okay, then it's more. And it's called counting other people's money. First of all... You can't count somebody else's money because you're probably going to be wrong. Yeah. And second of all, you shouldn't count anybody else's money anyway. Freaking is rude. But it's a sickness that a lot of millennials have and older people have too. But Millennials have it worse though. Yeah, you millennials are really worried about like if somebody else had money. I actually had a millennial talk about Trump and be like, he said to me, he said, do you know how loaded trump is i was like yeah the guy's done really well for himself and he goes do you know how many people he probably screwed to get that money why would what the, was this this was a friend of mine that was staying over here but he was a young guy a millennial of uh is actually my friend's kid he just assumed because trump had a lot of money that he screwed people to get the money and that's a millennial thing right that's a millennial thing like in my day and age it was like our dream to grow up and be a trump to be a successful business person with a ton of dough. Yeah. Like it was prestigious. It's what you thrive to be. Today, a lot of the young people like don't think that way. They think that like, oh, the guy got all this money because he freaking abused people to get it. No, that's not the case. And I don't think that. But Well, I'm just does, saying does that it, it's a, it's a, well, let me ask it's you, a thing. Did it's that, a thing with you people. Did that make it look as if I said that? I mean, does that make it look as if I was counting her money or like? Eh, yeah, kind of. But it's natural, so don't 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 feel bad about it. Well, no, I don't just don't stress over. I, but you know, I shouldn't have even thought that. Again, my main concern is just I can't believe you just threw it out the window like that. Plus, we might as well add add rich people to the list of minorities. Like, if you're not allowed to make fun of women, you're not allowed to make fun of black people, you're not allowed to make fun of Hispanic people or Asian people or anything. Well, you might as well not be able to make fun of rich people either. Put them right on the list of everybody else that's too sorry to stick up for themselves. You know, I always say I'm a big fan of those old Dean Martin roasts where they made fun of everybody. Right. I told Nipsey Russell, that was my boy. Dude, back in the day, people had skin, thick skin. And they, but they were creative about it too, and they knew that it was like it wasn't. It wasn't because you didn't like them, or you really wanted to hurt their feelings. Everybody was just having a good time. 
Let you get Red Fox on there, Lawanda Page, freaking Muhammad Ali. See the the beginning and the end with all the, like the the social part of being funny was when people started looking down on drinking. See, in the, in the old days, everybody drank. And nobody thought anything of it if somebody broke out a scotch in the middle of the afternoon or a martini or whatever. And by the time it was friggin' dinner time, they were tanked. That was kind of like normal. See, as soon as you started like, you know, taking that out of the picture where, oh, I can't do that anymore, then all of a sudden everybody's friggin' sense of humor went right out the window with it. Well, that would make sense because, I mean, look at Dean. He was like tanked 24-7 on that show. Well, and I'm not saying that it's right to be tanked. You know, I'm not saying that it's good or healthy to be tanked. Well, yeah. But you shouldn't look down your nose at somebody because they prefer to be bombed. Dude, You're because t- you know me, I don't drink at all. Have I ever looked down at you for pouring a glass of scotch? No, but people are looking down their nose at you for not drinking. For not drinking. <laughs> No. Although, as I've gotten older, people have grown to respect it a little bit more um, and kind of appreciate it because they know that they've always got a designated driver. And there's probably people are going to be offended that I'm like pro-alcohol. And they need to get a little thicker skin, too. When every really other think- commercial on friggin' TV is about some sort of sipping tequila, and who the hell ever made up sipping tequila is beyond me. Sipping tequila. People are sipping tequila and they're sipping rum nowadays. I thought you were supposed to take tequila in a shot. That's, I grew up. You took a shot of tequila. You took a shot of tequila. You bit, I know that. I don't even drink. You gritted your teeth. You took a lime and some salt to make it go down yes. a little bit easier. And now tequila, they sip like it's a fine liquor or something. Like how I'm sipping this water. You're kind of gulping down the water mm. a little bit. But <laughs> no such things in the old days as sipping tequila. Tequila was like, it was a drink and there was actually some masculinity to the drink. And then when you were ready for tequila, it meant like you were hardcore. Now they sit around a table and sip it, and there's bottles of tequila that are 200 bucks. Are you fucking kidding me? How much were they back in the day? I mean, they weren't the most expensive freaking liquor on the shelf. That's for damn sure. It wasn't exactly what you'd call top shelf. Dude, they had worms in the bottom of the damn things. And the harsher the tequila was, the more manly it was, the more macho it was to drink. In today's day and age, you can't even have... Dude, this sipping rum? Sipping rum? I always thought of rum as like the old sailor freaking stroking it down out of the bottle. Freaking glug, 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 no sipping. You can sit back with like your pinky off the table and sip some rum. <laughs> I just got back from Alamorada. And my buddy Rob, who I love to death, and he's one of these dudes, he loves food. And he loves drinks. And he makes sure that he brings what everybody wants. And then he cooks it perfect. That's my and kind of guy. Then he pours your drink perfect and this, that, and the other. And he had the sipping rum. And he brought the sipping rum so him and I could sit down and enjoy the sipping rum. And sip it. And we did. We sipped rum like gentlemen. <laughs> so now you're not looking down on it anymore. I never looked down on it in the first place. I'm just saying that there's a difference between today's perception of drinking and other pe- in the old days' perception of drinking. And then I wanted to make sure that people didn't get overly offended by me promoting drinking when you have these sipping rums and these sipping friggin' tequilas and on every TV friggin' station and every TV friggin' commercial. Like, how pissed can you get at me when that type of advertisement is going it's on? It's being thrown in your face. Right. But somebody will get offended. Yeah. And, well, it'll speaking, probably, and it'll probably be a millennial. Probably. Well, here's the thing. And speaking of getting offended, so, you know, we've got our Real Guy Podcast Instagram page, which if you guys aren't following, make sure you follow it. 
And nice plug. Some thank you. Um, some people. I think some people got offended. About so. We're not going to say who it was, but there was somebody that made permit guy memes because you know we had the whole thing about there being permit guys or not which i know i know there's not right because so, i know that's where you're going with this and so you know a whole bunch of memes were made about that and all of a sudden we started losing followers and i was like oh my gosh i think we offended some people about this because like there was one meme about like how amber jack was like permit but for real men or something like that and then they were trashing like catching permit on a wreck as opposed to catching it on a flat i think we offended some fuckers with that yeah, you probably offended your friends at the Bonefish Tarpon Trust. No, Ross thought it was hilarious. <laughs> well, maybe not Ross. Ross has a sense of humor. But maybe some of those people. Some of those people that may take their permits and tarpon and their bonefish a little bit too personal. I mean, They listen, might take it to heart a little bit too much. Dude, I mean, if somebody made fun of bonefish, is that going to stop me from fishing for them? Right, exactly. No. Dude, we've been making fun of bluefish for decades. And what did you catch the other day? A bluefish. A bluefish. It was pretty and bad. you sported it. I sported the piss out of my bluefish. But how many bluefish guys do you think we offended over the years? And if you worry about offending somebody all the time, then you're freaking going to grow old and freaking be a nervous wreck. Well, not, how about the redfish? I think you did more than the bluefish. I offended so many red fishermen over the years that now they appreciate it. They actually appreciate me being anti-redfish. And they know where I'm coming from. They've grown to respect that about you. Respect that, maybe, but they tolerate it and they <laughs> laugh about it. And the ones that were butthurt at the beginning aren't so butthurt now. And the ones that got butthurt at the beginning and then totally friggin' tuned us out for the rest of their life. Yeah, that's their loss. Fair that's enough. the way you got to look at life. Yeah. It's kind of like this COVID thing. There's two ways to look at it. You can look at it like it's friggin'. Something that's so friggin' dramatic that it's gonna deteriorate every way you think and what you do on an everyday basis? Or you're gonna just be like, well, it's out there and I'm still gonna live my life and just deal with it as it comes. Amen. You know what I mean? Amen. But I don't know. I don't even know how I got off on that. I was fucking gonna say, tangent. yeah. But anyway, going back to the protest. <laughs> going back to the Miami Waterkeepers Save the Bay. Save the Bay. Protest. Yep. I would give it a 9 out of 10. It's a pretty high score. Well, I'm trying to suck up to the chick Rachel so she comes so to the podcast. So she comes like to the podcast. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I give it a 9 out of 10. And the only reason I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10 is because those politicians friggin', in my opinion, hijacked it. Hijacked it a little bit. Fair enough. Unless, like I said, the chick Rachel was down with that and knew that was going to happen ahead of time. I don't know what I would score it. I don't know if I. Mm. Let's just go with a 9 out of 10. You got to go with a 9 out of 10. We'll go with a 9 out of 10. And the reason you got to go with a 9 out of 10 is because you, she did it. And yeah. people showed up. And that's hard to do. That's really hard to do. It's hard to do. And it means a lot. Yeah. In my opinion, those protests are the f first step to the major step that's going to create change. And what I mean by that is, like here in Fort Lauderdale, after the sewage spills... And the city meetings started, and they were going to talk about the sewage bills. And the politicians here were used to having either no attendance or maybe five or six people at the city meetings. And we literally had over 100 people in there. More than that, over 200. At the city meeting. 
When that happened, things started, the tone in downtown Fort Lauderdale started to change. And that's why I'm going to give anybody like Rachel that gathers and unites a bunch of people that love their coastal community and can put them together like that and have a march like that. And then also we had pretty decent news coverage about it. Yeah. Which I thought was 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 major success. Because this is the first time um that the news stations and the and the news people are actually treating this as a real story instead of just a little blurb here and there. Because you remember we heard about the sewage on the news, it was what, twenty seconds? Right. Twenty and mind you, it was record breaking. What was the name of the uh Reporter. That was at that was at the march. Yeah, uh, Louise Aguirre. Do you know there's a there's a sun? I think it's Sunday night. Every Sunday night, they do a they do like a thirty minute show just on the water quality issues. Yeah, he's very big on that too, especially with Biscayne Bay. So, from a media standpoint, that's about the best that I've seen from our local media. What so channel you, is this? Maybe ten. I think 10. Okay. I could be wrong. But that guy. Louis Aguirre. Yep. He, I can't even say his name. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> but that guy, he's the host, and he does a good job, and they talk about it, and it's actually a real um, you know, show. It goes, it's like 20 minutes of content about it instead of 20 seconds like you would normally get. You know what I mean? He's, let me tell you, if you follow him on Instagram, he's posting about that stuff all the time. Right. He's very passionate about it. So that guy was there. Yep. And, like I said, the job that Rachel did getting the media involved, Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Phenomenal. The only reason she doesn't get a 10 out of 10 is because I can't stand politicians. I know. I can't stand the friggin' guy that got up there with his baby. The baby one. Suarez. And then the 80-year-old lady... She's obviously some people like her because she stays in office or whatever. Yeah. But trust me when I tell you, you don't do not want her frigging up there with the microphone. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they all and they all have a very similar aura when they get up there and talk. Like they're it's like that rah rah freaking whole thing. Like we're gonna go right to Tallahassee and we're not gonna stop it. You know what I mean? It's like political. Yeah. It's it's all very stereotypical in politics. Right. Right. And that's the other thing that kind of bothered me a little bit. All right, so you got three fucking mayors at the place, right? Yep. Now, mayors, all right, they're supposed to be like influential people. They're supposed to have like a big party of people around them. How many, you, how many of their friends and family do you think came to that protest? If they did it all, they might have been the very last f- 20 that were standing there with us. Very few, because <laughs> those three politicians should have brought 100 or 150 people just by them alone. Friends and family. Everybody they knew they should have brought with them. Well, I'm just saying. It should have been like a really big deal. And there should have been like 500 people there instead of 250 people there. Yeah. But they didn't really put a lot of time and energy into that. They only put a lot of time and energy into the little photo op that they got. Yeah. Anyway. nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. All right. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. I'm going to try to reach out to Rachel again and see if I can get her on here. All right, guys. You guys don't know... About Rachel, the Miami waterkeeper. Chick's phenomenal. She did a great protest. Me and Busaka went down there like gentlemen, participated, and um, have more nice things to say about Rachel than we can actually get out on a podcast. But to end the podcast, did you know 
that the Miami Waterkeeper is now going to do weekly testing at 10 locations here in Broward County and get paid for it by the city of Fort Lauderdale? I did hear about that. That's huge. Well, we have to acknowledge our wins, no matter how small or how big, because I firmly believe that the pressure that we put on the politicians here in Fort Lauderdale helped that decision. Yeah. And getting the independent person to do the testing, in my opinion, is absolutely huge. So, that being said, congratulate Rachel and the Miami Waterkeepers for doing a phenomenal job down there in North Biscayne Bay. And um, I'm glad I went down to the protest. I'm happy you went with me. It was good to participate. Yeah. And it was nice to be around that many people that absolutely are in love with their coastal community. Yeah. Like-minded like people. Right. It was good. It was good. Anyway, that's Stephen Busaka, the shepherd, everybody's favorite millennial. And this is Captain Jeff, the Lunker Dog. And thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. Run that dog.